I should be writing season 20, episode 5. Hi there, welcome to I Should Be Writing. This is a podcast for wannabe fiction writers, and I am Mer Lafferty. And just so you don't listen to anybody who gives you writing advice on the internet, my credentials are eight books, one Hugo and Nebula nomination, and I've been podcasting. This is my 20th year, so, you know, I would listen to me. I just don't always sometimes. But anyway, uh, we like to talk about what holds young writers back. And by young, I mean early career, obviously. And because uh, there's a lot that hold us back because it still holds me back a lot. So uh, sometimes I bring authors on and talk about their path to publication. And today I have uh, someone kind of different because the book isn't out for several months, but you're already on the ground. I would like to welcome Avian Lee to the chat and the live stream and the podcast, all three in one thing. How are you? Hello, I'm doing very well. So happy to be here. Yeah, your book Men in the Perilous Pipe comes out in October. But yes. uh we're going to talk about that in a moment. First, one thing I'd like to talk about is to at least keep my credibility up. It's to, to ensure the, the chat that I have been writing. Uh, yesterday was a big day. I got what I hope was the final edit to a proposal off to my agent. I'm pretty happy with it. I had one of those eureka moments of, wow, I'm brilliant. And then right after I went, well, that's freaking obvious. Why did it take me so long to come up with it? So um, that was a little embarrassing, but hopefully he'll agree and we'll start putting that out to publishers. Cross your fingers for me. I, I have two other projects I'm going to be working on to get to him so he can have like a choice of many things to sell. Um, do you want to tell us how your writing is going? Well, first off, I'm impressed that you have submitted something to your agent. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> I have been in procrastination, you know, the procrastination zone, because I need to get my second book idea first draft mm -hmm. out to my editor on April 1st. And I'm just struggling to get that done. Yeah. But I have some Odyssey people really pushing me <laughs> to get it finished. Oh, that's good. So they're helping me a lot um, to just, you know, baby steps, get it through. So for me... I am still in copy edits with my book that comes out in October, just got sent there. So I'm in this middle zone of waiting for those to come back. And now I am supposed to be drafting my first draft to submit April 1st, which, yes, that is what I'm doing now. All right. Excellent. Yeah, we usually try to ask. I got my podcast a little bit messed up last year when I tried to go back to non-live and then I just basically stopped doing it. So it live helps me. The, the live audience helps get me to the chair to actually record. Yes. 
the um, pressure to attend exactly and so but but back in you know 2022 what we were doing is we were telling people that if you get a rejection you should celebrate it because rejections mean you're a working author and we were collecting the rejections and i haven't gotten to where I'm counting them yet, but if anybody wants to email me your rejections, or hopefully by next Tuesday I'll be able to say we're going to count your rejections on the stream. Um, if you have gotten a rejection this year, congratulations. You're a working writer, and you take a punch while lots of other people give up. So we're proud of you. So true. Yeah, that is so awesome. And I am part of the 100 Rejection Club. So Oh, wow. I remember... When some of my writer friends were like, wow, I'm pushing up to, you know, XXX number of rejections. We like, we're like, man, when we get to 100, we should get t-shirts. You should. Absolutely. <laughs> like 100 on them or something. We haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. But I feel like we should still get it because after a certain number of rejections, when I was querying, I felt like I just got dead inside with rejection. So whenever they started popping up, I was like, all right, send it off again, off again, off again. That doesn't but sound that dead inside. That sounds like you're getting stronger and able to handle stronger, the nose. Yeah. Because everyone gets nose, everybody. And yes. the people who don't get nose probably are at the top of their career and they're pretty much unicorns. So, but yeah, I know lots and lots of pro writers sometimes. who still get no all the time. That's why I'm giving it's my like agent three get, things. I'm sorry? It's like you get Teflon. Like you get yes, like a, some protection. So like when you start getting to that point where it's like a rejection, you're just kind of like, it didn't affect my day. It stopped affecting my day. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the early stage, it was like, oh, man, what didn't they like about it? And now it's just like. Not for you. A okay. thought yeah. almost. Yeah. <laughs> Which I really appreciate. Yeah. I know we have two regular, very regular listeners, um, supporters of the show, who get up into the 100, either 100 submissions or 100 rejections almost every year. And I hope, if they're not here right now, I hope they're going to be listening to this soon, because uh, it's it's very good to hear you say that, that you were you were in that club. Oh, um, yeah. And you all should get jackets. Get 100 club. I know. That would be nice. Yeah. A jacket. But we walking around like those marathoners, the hundred marathons. Yes. You can run a hundred marathons a year. <laughs> yes, excellent. God, what is that? Two a week? Oh my God. Who can do it that? Is wild. Yes. Wow. It's like every weekend they're in a marathon, like two marathons. Yeah, it's wild. Wow, I just get tired just thinking about it. Um I saw one person once that had the one hundred, like there's a special logo or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing one person in the airport and thinking, Wow, that's impressive. And I was also like, and you can still walk? Like your yeah. joints are okay. I was about to ask <laughs> if they were fine. limping. They looked very in shape. I, was thinking, I would wow. hope so. You um I will never get there because that's not something I like which drive for? I'm more of the the five k person. Yeah, so maybe a hundred five k's. Well, I, a year. you know what? We're we're writers and we write books, and a lot of people look and say a hundred thousand words. That is way too much. It's bizarre. I can't imagine doing that. Why aren't you suffering repetitive stress injury or something? So you know, we 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 have our our dedication and impressive things. We just don't think it's impressive because we do them. 
If you can't tell, I've been listening to a book on imposter syndrome, so I'm like right there. Send me that link. (laughs) um, I remember when I was first trying to decide on how to write a book, my first goal was just to get to 50,000 words of nonsense Mm -hmm. and getting past 10,000. Like I had never gotten past 10,000 words. It's like I hit a wall, you know. And then so my whole goal was just 50,000 of nonsense NaNoWriMo style, but not in November. Mm -hmm. It was like in August or July. And then I did that and threw that away because it was literally nonsense. Um, Like I started the story over in the middle. (laughs) Didn't refer, didn't like delete any of the beginning. I was like, let me just start over in the middle. But as soon as I got to 50,000, I was like, that was my goal and threw it away. And then I tried to write a book. I was so worried if I tried to write something that made sense, you know, mm-hmm. kind of from beginning to end, how could I possibly get to 50,000? And then when I hit it and like went over it, then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now it's getting too long. Now it's like, I need to corral this train from drifting off into, you know, the mountains and never being heard from again. Cause I write middle grade and right. it doesn't need to be. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to ask what the I, I've written one middle grade book, but it was like several years ago, and I can't even I can't remember what the word count goal was, but it definitely wasn't eighty thousand, which is eighty to one hundred thousand is my usual goal. Yes, I want to say back in the Harry Potter era, like the after the years following the last book was oh, yeah. released, um, people were more okay with those gargantuan thick middle grade books. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like that time has passed and now editors want more of the like 45,000 words. And if fantasy, they're kind of okay with like 70,000, like 60, 70,000. Mine was pushing like 90,000. So I had to like cut some half the book almost. Wow. Out of there. And I could because it was just a bunch of, you know, verbose things. So I could cut a big chunk um, I just had to decide to do it. Yeah. It's a whole yeah. nother, whole nother thing. Yeah. I hear you. So let's talk about your book that's coming out in October, Men in the Perilous Pipe. Uh, tell me about that. Yes. So it actually just got a title change. Oh, did it? Instead, It did. And I love the new title because instead of Men in the Perilous Pipe, which it has been for years. Mm-hmm. It got changed to Pied, like Pied Piper, mm-hmm. but just the Pied part. So nice and short and sweet. Oh, nice. And I had thrown that name out there because it's always, that's what I just generally call it in my, you know, when you're typing something, you kind of call your manuscript mm-hmm. something. And that's what I always called it. So I was like, I love this. Did I manifest this? I hope so. <laughs> so it's called Pied. And it's about a colorblind boy who discovers he's a Pied Piper and can turn music into colorful magic. But this is the kind of magic that could get him and all the other kids like him killed. That's my log line or or my hook. But the actual book is about this kid who, typical middle grade, discovers he can control magic He gets sent into this Piper world with other people, other Pipers, who can control um, animals and plants using music. So he wants to hide that he's a Pied Piper 
because there's a lot of different styles of pipers. There's the pipers who can control mammals, the ones who can control birds, ones that can control fish, seven different kinds. Wow. And pied pipers can control more than one kind. So you have the ones that can control fish and birds or mammals and fish and plants, you know, and he's the kind that can control all seven. So the Pied Pipers aren't liked because of the Pied Piper fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And I was using the Pied Piper fairy tale as a spring off to say, okay, well, Pipers used to be just out with people. So my world's divided into people and Pipers. Mm -hmm. So people do not have magical ability. Pipers do have magical ability. And we used to coexist. They used to coexist together. But after the Pied Piper of Hamlin, you familiar with that fairy tale? Okay, good. Because a lot of kids on my school visit had never heard of it. And I was like, wow, this generation gap they talk about? You know, yeah. I'm like, what's going on? Um, So I had to kind of explain it to them. But... Uh, because of what happened in Hamlin with the Pied Piper taking the kids away, it kind of ruined Pied Piper reputation and it caused all Pipers to go into hiding. So now people think there's only people in the world and the Pied Pipers are like still living happily, you know, they're just, um, you know, like magically hiding from people mm-hmm. finding out that they exist. It's fun to play with it. Yeah. I use words like instruments. Like how a doctor's like, oh, what what instruments do you have like for the doctors to do their surgery? Mm-hmm. But you know, instruments are always music, also musical instruments, right? <laughs> so I kind of play with that in the book of, oh, that word comes from pipers, because they have different instruments to like do different things in their piper world. A relic of the old. <laughs> That's really cool. But how how. I'm sorry, I'm still baffled at kids not knowing. But I, I'm I'm thinking, did I tell my kid that story? Well, did they? My kid got that, you know, stories from other places, but I don't think we ever did the Pied Piper. Um, I was so taken aback. <laughs> so, what do you do if? What What are you doing now? Are you preparing part of your presentation to be? It's based on this fairy tale, and then tell it briefly. Yes. So, in my book, I do have like an opening paragraph that quickly summarizes the Pied Piper fairy tale like in three sentences. And uh, I thought that was needless. I was like, who has not heard of the Pied Piper fairy tale? Yeah. But now I'm like, well, did my family just care more about grim fairy tales than other families? But I really feel like every kid, I'm a kid of the 80s, 90s. I was like, every kid of my generation knew all the famous fairy tales, Mm -hmm. you know, Rumpelstiltskin, Pied Piper. Yeah. Like they knew all the big ones. And so... When I had like a show of hands, it was like 10% might have heard about it. Oh, wow. As high as 50%. And these are fourth and sixth graders. So I was really like, wow, my agent was right. I should, it was good to put that little thing at the beginning of the book. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) She knows more than I do. Yeah. So I have to give like a little spiel of maybe one or two minutes to give the story. All the kids love that story. Because it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. So they're always like, oh my gosh, you know, and then I start into my book. So one thing that really startled me when I was reading about you is um, your book doesn't come out until October, but you are already doing virtual school visits. 
Yes. Now, how did that, did you come up with that? Did you get a publicist? And how are you setting that up? Yes. So I am the most reluctant pub publicist author you will ever meet. I am dragging my feet so much for being on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram. If you go to my Instagram, it's like maybe 20 posts mm -hmm. spread out over five years, you know, it's like just yeah. long. The only reason I've kept it public is because I'm like, okay, well, I'm an author. So I guess I have to start doing something on here. Yeah. There's no Kind of. And then my Twitter profile, um, I have friends I want to help, you know, so I'll kind of try to boost their stuff. Mm -hmm. Every one or two years, I'll just delete my whole Twitter and start over again because I'm like, oh, wow. I don't want to be on here. Yeah. So I'll just like delete it all. And then I'll be like, oh, man, I guess I do have to be on it. Then I'll like restart it again. So that just happened. I want to mm -hmm. say like four months ago where I said, oh, man, I got to. I got to restart doing stuff over here. So I'm very reluctant, but I, I'm reluctant of social media, I should say. Right. So I'm very reluctant of that. However, I'm okay with in-person, like one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. and I'm okay with um, kids, you know, because they're just excited. And virtual things, I'm really cool with. It's just the social media where I feel like I got to um, just constantly post and see what's being posted and then make pictures and post. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired just mm -hmm. thinking about all the things I have to do right yeah. now. But I was listening to a podcast by the author of The School for Good and Evil, which was a very, very pop, still is a very popular middle grade series. And his name is Soman Kainani. And I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. He is, I've never met him, but I've seen, like I listened to his podcast. He seems so knowledgeable, so relaxed. And whenever I see him like at Y'all West or some big conference, he always seems like so much good energy. So I was listening to his podcast and he said when his book was about to come out, he did the math and he thought, well, if I could visit three schools a day, um, then that's like a thousand kids I could reach a week. And that's my target audience. Mm -hmm. So he just did as many school visits as possible to get his book in as many kids' hands so they can bother their parents about buying it for them. <laughs> Excellent. That's the thing about middle grade, you know? So it's like the librarians know about him. The teachers know about him. So they would probably want to get the book in their school library. I know we have two kids and one of the librarians at their elementary school recommended Captain Underpants mm -hmm. to our kid. He ended up super loving it. And from that one recommendation, we bought like 15 Captain Underpants books. Oh, yeah. That ignited my mind of, oh, yeah, if I'm going to put in the work then I should just go straight to my target audience mm -hmm. <laughs> with the work. And at least some librarians and some teachers will have heard about me, mm -hmm. hopefully. Because seriously, that one teacher made 15 or more sales wow. of that guy's book just by recommending one book yeah. to us. And us going back and being like, 
oh, he really likes this book. Mm You know, we're trying to get him to be a reader. Yeah. And so then it's like, oh, he really likes this book. He read the whole thing. Now This he is wants amazing. all the others. Yeah. Let's get the next book. So we checked him out from the library, but, you know, more kids are checking him out, so they don't always have them. So you're like, well, maybe we should go ahead and buy them. Became Christmas gifts and birthday gifts and just random gifts Mm-hmm. Yep. from family members and stuff. And kids love And it's to like, reread, wow. so you wanted to have it around. Yes. And that just, we went through the whole series. Captain Underpants. He also has Dog Man, Cat Kid Comic Club. Like, he's continuing on and on and on and on. He's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he opened sure. his own bookstore, like, in Connecticut. Really? Wow. <laughs> yes. It's like a two-story bookstore in this cute small town. And I was like, oh, man, I want to come visit that bookstore. Yeah. Well, apparently And Twitch now is he giving has, like, us... a TV series. I'm sorry? He has, like, a TV series on Netflix, Oh, Captain wow. Underpants TV show. Solon Kainani... Also got a Netflix deal for that School for Good and Evil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did, 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 did it actually get made? Yep. Yep, it got made. Okay. Because I have Yep, sold it got options made. before that didn't go anywhere, which is nice. It's free money. I don't put it down, but I try really hard not to get my hopes up when I sell an option. Yep. And I don't know if that was his first option or if, like, some of them fell through. Mm-hmm. But the net, this Netflix one did get made last year or maybe the year before. Charlie Theron and, um, oh, the girl from Scandal, the woman from Scandal was in it. It wasn't too bad. Okay. So I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit, a little bit about Odyssey because we do talk about um, various option opportunities for education in this podcast. We've talked about Odyssey a couple of times, and I was, I'll just, I'll just admit it. I'm just going to tell you like my, my gut reaction when I heard that Odyssey was going virtual for the pandemic. I thought that was great, and when they said they were staying virtual after work, after lockdown anyway. I thought that was kind of sad because I know a lot of people like the the residency experience. But on the other hand, this makes a lot more accessible to a lot more people. So tell us about your Odyssey experience. First, tell us what Odyssey is, just in case anybody has not heard of it. Okay, so the Odyssey is super duper amazing. Um, I love it so much. And it's your own, like writing workshop for you personally. So you're one on one with Jean. And she reads your writing and gives you feedback on a six week. The my personal odyssey is six week, three month or six month. Okay. So I did the six week. And for the six week, it was super duper duper hard. And I think that's what the in person was six weeks Yes. Yes, it back was. when it was like a group. So, yep, it was in person for six weeks and. So I was like, oh, maybe I can do the six weeks. It was over summertime and it busted my tail. So I was like, oh, maybe I should have done the three or six months. What, But what it's was really the hard nice. part about it? All the work. Okay. It's like 17 hours a day Wow. worth of work to do. Yes. And I was thinking, why uh, did I sign up for this when I, I was, I should have taken time off from work, but I was trying to do it at the same time. 
because I have a remote job. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can balance both. Um, But then I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much work. I'm up like 20 hours a day taking four hour naps later to try to finish everything. And uh, but it was so fulfilling and so worthwhile. And I loved it so much. I went over my book in in Odyssey because I actually found out that I got the deal like my first couple days uh, being in Odyssey. So I was going to work on some short stories through Odyssey. But when I found out I got my book deal, we switched things up to kind of just finesse my book a little bit more Mm -hmm. and to try to polish it some. I ended up almost deconstructing it with all the stuff I learned in Odyssey. (laughs) So I was like, oh, man, I'm doing all these things wrong, you know, (laughs) and trying to change it up. But so, it's the, my personality is great. She still does the in person, but it's with odd fellow, odd fellows, I believe. And you have to apply for that too, right? Yeah, but not the. But now it is like the separate. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you would recommend it to others? Yes, I love it so much. Absolutely. If you cannot go anywhere for five to six weeks, then I mean, if you can go somewhere for five to six weeks, then that is also a really good option Mm -hmm. Um, just to have that focused, no distraction time from anyone else. And you can really focus on yourself and your writing. But if it is like you just cannot, then the my personal odyssey is. Audio has returned. Thank you, Skipper. Okay. Yay. I have no idea what just happened. None. Because I was just (laughs) sitting here. I didn't touch a thing. So anyway, we're back. Thank you guys for letting me know about that. Very sorry. Um, But how much didn't they hear, though? (laughs) I don't think they heard the part about uh, the money and the scholarships. So let's go back a little bit and say, what are the practical... Uh, details you need if you want to apply to Odyssey? Yes. So to apply to Odyssey, I think you need three writing samples. I I was in Odyssey in 2022. So going off the top of my head, I think you need three writing samples. I think two recommendation letters, but it might just be recommendation emails, like two people she can reach out to mm-hmm. um, to chat with about your writing. And I don't remember if it was actually a letter or if it was just a contact. Um, You have to write a biography about your writing. And she has a form to fill out on what you think your strengths and weaknesses are. And so be honest on the form. She said most people, um, it's all strengths. (laughs) My weaknesses, I care too much. I know, yeah. So um, you can think about like, oh, what you think your weaknesses are. I knew I was so bad at emotion. Mm -hmm. So um, whenever I write, I always just think, well, whatever you're feeling, you know, for my reader, whatever Mm -hmm. you're feeling right now, just feel it. I don't have to tell you what to feel, you know, just insert emotion here and enjoy reading. So my friends are like, no. They want to know what to feel right now at this Mm -hmm. moment. I'm always like, oh, I need to get used to that for a certain type of reader. You know, I'm sure not Mm -hmm. all readers are that way. Um, So you need those things. 
and it costs money and it's not inexpensive. So you have to, and I don't know how much it costs, but it's on, it's not a secret. Like she has it Right. somewhere on the website. I will look that up. There's scholarships. Yep. If it's not on the website, maybe I just made that up. Oops, sorry. That's all right. So, yep, it's somewhere um, on the website, but it's like over a thousand dollars. I want to say, I want to say like two thousand. And if you get in, you would have to pay that within, I want to say, like a month. So it has to be kind of handy. Um, but there are scholarships available, like there's full scholarships and partial scholarships. So uh, you can apply for a full or partial and I applied for a partial and I got it. And that made me very happy <laughs> to um, be able to just scrape up the last amount to pay. But regardless of how much it costs, it's super duper worth it because if you get in, it is literally 24-7 writing. Mm-hmm. You are given so much information, so many, I want to say like assignments, but fun ones because they're writing related and video related. Like you watch some videos, instructional videos, you chat with her. She has like two or three times that one-on-ones with her during the week. So it's really nice. And she fits, slips right into your schedule to see whenever you're best available to talk. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you'd like to continue listening, the full episode is up at patreon.com slash mightymer or mightymer.substack.com. Well, Zoom wants to cut us off again, so uh, I'm just going to ask, where can we find you online? Yes, I'm online at my name, basically, so it's avianlee.com, and I don't know if you have to put the www in front or not. I don't think so. I'll have a link in the show notes. Yep, and I'm also on socials, also just Lee. On Instagram and Twitter, most likely you will not find me anywhere near there. <laughs> I like to show up and like my friends' posts, like if they have a cover reveal or if their book came out, um, you know, leave comments and things. But I most likely won't post. I did do get the okay to do a cover reveal, so I Very might cool. do that on socials. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Maybe we can have you back on in the fall when your book comes out. I would love it so much. This has been great. Thank you for listening to I Should Be Writing, the longest running writing podcast in existence. This episode was made possible by the Fabulous, who support the podcast via Patreon or Substack. Join the Fabulous at patreon.com slash mightymer or mightymer.substack.com. Theme music provided by John Anilio. Art provided by Numbers Ninja. And podcast hosting provided by Libsyn. This episode is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 License.